Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Howard, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So I've had the FDICIO on before. It's been several years, so it's nice to kind of revisit and catch up on some old priorities. Before we do that, though, you're fairly new to the FDIC. You're really new as the CIO. You've been here as the Chief Information Security Officer for quite a while. Let's talk about your transition to the CIO role. It's just been since October. How's it been? The transition has been great. I have the needed support from the FDIC leadership and the CIO team. Like all transitions, there are opportunities, and one leads and manages based on the role that he or she has assigned. I continue to learn and make adjustments based on knowledge and experience gained today and looking into the future. It's an interesting change, right? I mean, you're going from a CISO role where you really have your little pot of honey to a much bigger pot of honey now. Talk, talk a little bit about what the differences are. The difference is now being responsible for all of IT to include security. So before I was focused on IT where I would advise the CIO on certain, I call, issues or items that were of concern in my domain, but now I have the entire portfolio of services to include security, application development, vendor management, collaboration, and so forth. So instead of you getting the call in the middle of the night that says you're being hacked, now you get the call that says our email is down. No, I'm just kidding. You guys don't get those calls anymore. But, but it is that bigger, broader set of priorities that you're focusing on. Has that been a good transition for you? Because if, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time you've ascended to the CIO's position, at least the title. It is the first time that I'm in this role as a CIO, but always from my past experience, it's, it has been focused on delivering capabilities, whether from the security perspective or the mission perspective when I was in DOD serving in the military. It's always about delivering capabilities to your customers, and this role is focused on that. So do you find yourself falling back into the cyber role once in a while? You have a new CISO, correct, or you're looking to hire a new CISO? We are looking to hire a new CISO and moving forward with that process, and I do fall back into the cyber role all the time because I look at everything from a threat perspective, risk management perspective, trying to do the right things at the right time. Now, have you gotten, when you've, as you've talked to other CIOs in the community, have they given you any kind of advice like don't be the CIO of no or don't be – because of your security background, it's, it's very easy to go back to say – well, that's a security risk, but from a mission perspective, you have to we have to weigh the good and the bad. I don't think I've gotten that advice as of yet because I, I was never the CISO of no. It's always about delivering capabilities to the customer, and that's what we're focused on. The CIOs that I've met, we are talking about how do we protect the infrastructure while delivering capabilities to the customer? How do we share information? How do we share the successes that we're experiencing so that we can use that knowledge and experience to leapfrog the things that we know we can do for our customers. All right, well, that's a good sign that you're not, you consider yourself never the CISO of no either. Let's talk about your background a little bit. You worked at NASA, you worked at the Defense Department. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Started at NASA, but that was my, I call learning experience from an enterprise perspective where we had a number of CISOs, CIOs across the entire corporation. But prior to that, I worked at the Department of Defense, so public-private sector mix. I think it gave me the knowledge and skills that I think are key to being successful, whether in the IT security realm or in the realm of delivering capabilities to customers. It's a, a basis of knowledge and experiences that are compounded that you fall back on. Um, it's like an education, I call it, in the IT world. 
Now, I know, uh, talking to some of the other folks at NASA, you worked in the security role at NASA. Uh, remind us again for DOD, uh, active military service, you're retired military? Not retired. De- decided to depart after a period of service. I came home once, and my, my son was looking at me like, who are you? And I decided it's time to think about a different role and career. I made a decision to leave the military, love the environment, the training, the rigor around delivering capabilities to the soldiers that provided protection for our country. Thank you for the service, obviously, whether you retired or just spent, you know, five, ten or however many years in, in the service. Talk a little about how you came to FDIC. USA Jobs is a looking for a role um, that was aligned to my passion and skills. This a CIO role based on what I was doing, or the CISO role based on what I was doing, was perfectly aligned. I had applied to the position and received the call asking if I was still interested. So just followed the regular process based on my interest and the role that was available within the FDIC. I hear more and more about people talking about, hey, I just went to USA Jobs. But it's always interesting that the process does work and the process, you're a living example of, hey, you apply and you get a job. How much of a transition has it been coming from DOD, coming from NASA to FDIC? It's a whole new set of lingo, I imagine, but beyond that. Lingo, it's acronym soup, if you will. It's learning the culture. But you came from DOD. Come on, you can't tell me there's acronym soup at FDIC, but go ahead. There is, and it's the, the same acronyms mean something different. So you have to, I call, learn the culture and the subculture because within, I call, the C-suite, folks don't use acronyms, but the folks that are actually operating the systems, the capabilities, use a lot of acronyms. And to be an effective CIO, you have to learn the technical capabilities that keep the business running but also stays focused on the strategic goals and objectives of the corporation. NASA was interesting, different culture than DOD, a totally different culture than FDIC. It takes someone that wants, that's willing to learn each organization and adapt their knowledge and skills to fit the current environment from which they operate. Has that been the biggest change is when you come from places like DOD and NASA, which have a big command and control, though NASA is very decentralized, to FDIC, which is, you know, they're finance people, right? They, they worry about financial management and, and whether or not the banks and, and organizations are safe. How did you have to change to, to, to adjust to the culture? No, I do not believe so. I think within DOD, NASA, or any organization that's what I call highly effective in delivering capabilities, it's having frameworks in which you operate being able to define processes and then measure yourself to ensure that you're following the processes, the capabilities that you are engineering and delivering meet your standards. And if they don't, you can make micro adjustments as needed to course correct. So it's staying engaged, having a defined policy, and then following through to execution and and retirement of capabilities as necessary. I know there's a ton to kind of go through there as we talk about IT modernization and the like. Let me just talk real briefly about the office, the CIO's office. Talk a little bit about the makeup, number of federal employees, number of contractors, your IT budget. Give us a sense of what you're working with. We have around 300 federal employees and approximately 900 contractors, depending on what I call our mission at the time. If we need to surge, we would surge um, capabilities to deliver capability to the business, and then we would potentially, using agile methodology, is close that down and bring on additional capabilities or take them away. Our budget is approximately 
$300 million, give, it, give or take, based on what capabilities we're delivering within that year, but nothing substantially changing from year to year as I've seen in the last year. 300 feds, 900 contractors, roughly, that's a roughly three to one ratio. Is that a good ratio? Do you see that? Now, I know it changes from project to project and initiative to initiative, but generally speaking, is a three to one a pretty good ratio, or would you like to see it a wider ratio or, or, or shrink it a little bit? That's a very good question. I think we are starting an effort to relook the organization, just to look at what our core mission capabilities are from a HR perspective. Are we right-sized, whether federal or contractor staff, to deliver our capabilities, and that, that is a future activity that is going to take place. And how's your CIO office organized? 300 people, obviously, there's a big chunk of them that may work in the D.C. area, but you may also probably have some people in the field. What's the breakdown there, roughly speaking? Is it 50-50 or, or what? So most of our employees are in the D.C. area. We do have staff that are outside of the area, um, that are dispersed across the country supporting our field offices, but they are tied back here to us for central, what I call, management and collaboration and leadership. When you talk about the makeup of your office, have you done any reorganization personally yet as in the short time you've been CIO, or do you foresee that going down the path? A lot of times I talk to CIOs and I hear them, well, our focus is going to move to the customer. We're going to develop a customer-centric organization of sorts. I think in time, we will have to relook the organization. I think each organization has the ability to right-size, to retool itself, to better align itself to the business. The business is changing, and we need to change to meet the needs of the corporation at any given time. So while we may have operated in, I call X space, three years ago or five years ago or ten years ago, we have to relook at what space are we operating in today, and are we right size to meet the organizational needs. And I know several agencies, and I think almost all of them, have released new strategic plans, uh, not just IT, but uh, agency-wide plans, so maybe that's the IT is probably a big piece of that. Uh, Howard, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can start talking about some older priorities. My guest is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Here's Helene Johnson, founder of Bid to Win Consulting on Market Chat bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. When a company is going after an opportunity, they need somebody to take the lead to make sure that all of the different aspects of a capture are taken care of. And that's the capture manager's job. We're not experts at any one area, but we are very strong at project management and leading a group. Listen to the whole program to hear best practices for end-of-year marketing at federalnewsradio.com. Search Market Chat. This is Luann Brossman, president and founder of Government Marketing University. To support next-generation government marketers, we continue to expand our offerings to include more training, networking events, and professional development programs. Go to gmarku.com, that's gmarku.com, and subscribe to our e-newsletter and see a calendar of all of our upcoming GMarkU activities. Government Marketing University, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. CompSec is one of the most trusted sources for solving complex IT problems. Started in 1997 to address specific customer issues in the intelligence community, CompSec has remained customer-facing and mission-focused. CompSec provides an unparalleled depth of knowledge and insight into the intelligence community for their customers and partners like CA Technologies. 
Learn how CompSec and CA Technologies are partnering to bring solutions to the federal marketplace. Learn more at CompSecInc.com. That's CompSecInc.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no-obligation quote. 1-800-700-1368. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-700-1368. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-700-1368. 1-800-700-1368. Tom Temin here, coming up on Thursday's Federal Drive. Career officials traipse up to Capitol Hill to explain how they'll use the latest technological fad to improve government. Artificial intelligence. Plus, the Energy Department wants to set up a new cybersecurity office devoted to grid protection. A former FERC commissioner explains how it ought to work. Join me Thursday morning starting at 6 for The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. Federalnewsradio.com. It's the only place to read Mike Causey. Get the latest news on your federal pay, benefits, and retirement at federalnewsradio.com. Search Causey. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Howard, we got to know you a little bit in the first segment. Let's jump into the second segment. It's been almost four years since the FDI CIO had been on my uh, show, so there's plenty to catch up on. But I'm going to start with something that happened in between those the, over the last four years, which is a, a major cyber incident that you guys at FDIC suffered through back in 2016. Uh, instead of rehashing what happened, I want to look forward a little bit and say, how are things better today than they were uh, just a short two years ago plus? Yes, I know of that event. I have read about it. We've talked about it. We've looked at our environment. We've brought in a vendor to conduct an assessment of our capabilities, leaving us a roadmap outlining what we need to do to improve our detective and preventive capabilities. We have taken action to address each and every one of those, I call, advisories that were provided to us, and we continue to align ourselves with the cybersecurity framework maturity model. We are looking at where we are today and where do we want to be. We have taken action to deploy capabilities to detect data leakage, to detect malware, the list of things that are outlined as cyber threats. We look to employ capabilities to ensure that our folks are trained, that we have processes to detect, but also to recover in case there was a future event. We are aligned with DHS, utilizing a number of their capabilities to protect our network and our infrastructure, but we also use them from a threat management perspective where we take in information, look at how it's aligned to our own internal assets, and then take proactive action to mitigate risk. So while not perfect, we're always looking at risk and actively managing risk 
um, in this domain. This incident happened before you were here, so you came in, when you first came in at CISO and now as CIO, what stood out to you among the as is and then the to be, meaning this is where we started and, and this is where the FDIC is going? I think one of my key assessments when I came in from my old position into the new role was looking at what challenges were faced by the FDIC from a assessment perspective, what incidents have they experienced, what processes do they have in place, and how are they managing, I call risk, the foundational things that we all know about, patch management, vulnerability management, data leakage events, and making sure that we had the right set of metrics to track how we were doing so that we can look for areas where we were not doing well and take the necessary actions to improve ourselves to ensure that what you call doing the due diligence, getting back to the foundational requirements of IT management leading to improved cybersecurity hygiene. You brought up the cybersecurity framework, the maturity model. How are you measuring the progress against that? How do you say, how do we want to go from level three to level four to level five? It's well-defined. The IG actually grades us each year based on the FISMA requirement. They give us a score. We self-grade ourselves, but we are actually conducting an external or I call independent assessment of our cyber capabilities this year, and then we will improve or try to attain the score that has been set by FISMA, and where we fall short, if you will, we will continue to take action over the next months, years, to continue to make improvements. Can you talk a little bit more about that uh, external or, as you said, uh, independent assessment that you're planning? Is it something that's already in the works? Is it something for later this year to, to begin? It's in the planning stages, so it's looking at all of the controls that are listed. I think there are 108 or more, and then doing an assessment of where we are with those 108 controls, creating a dashboard so that we have the transparency needed, not only within the CIO's organization, but also to our customers as well, because they want to know how well we're doing to protect the information and the systems which they depend on to execute their mission. You said a couple times risk management. A lot of times when I've heard complaints from CISOs and CIOs around FISMA is that when you talk about 108 controls, well, if you controlled everything, you're, you're just, you might as well just unplug the computer and throw it away. How, do you, how are you guys adding the risk management piece to this assessment? A lot of folks like to talk around compromise or um, indicators of compromise. I like to talk about indicators of exposure. So where are we exposed and what action are we taking to mitigate the exposure level of our assets, our people, and our partners? So a multi-pronged approach, looking externally, looking internally, looking for risk, is discovering risk and ensuring that you are aware of them and ensuring that you have the right resources to address the risk. And where you cannot address the risk, you have to do some type of acceptance of that risk, but it never should leave, um, I call your radar, because as new technologies, processes come out, you should look at those risks that you accepted and then try to work them out of the environment. You mentioned that this is in the beginning stages. I know a lot of vendors do listen to the program, so I'll try to head it off in the past. Is this something that's going to be an acquisition eventually, or is that something that you're using existing resources already through your contracting partners? This I call a risk assessment, the framework we're doing internally, using existing resources to create the dashboards. CDM is a capability that's offered by DHS, will be a line in our I call our dashboards to the CDM um, requirements, 
but also looking at how we can even leapfrog what CDM is doing in their phases because we want to get to end state rather than following we only need to do these five things. I want to make sure that if we're going to do continuous monitoring, we're looking holistically at the set of requirements and ensuring that based on our resources and our capabilities and our own risk posture that we're in the right place and doing the right things to protect FDIC and the information we collect from the um, our customers. I was actually going to ask about CDM where that fits in the DHS Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program. Are you guys in one of the groups, and, and where are you at with the implementation of it so far? So we are in one of the groups. We are in one of the, the last groups because we are not one of the, the top, I call, agencies, but we are aligned to, just like the cybersecurity framework, we're looking at what's happening in the federal space around CDM and following that framework because it makes sense. It is the right thing to do to have a continuous monitoring and risk mitigation program in place to protect the FDIC. Are you guys looking at the continuous monitoring as a service at all, or is that something that, that this is what DHS is offering to some of this very small and, and micro agencies? You guys don't necessarily fit into that very small piece, but is that is the as a service something that you guys are, are interested in? In my tenure, I've not looked at as a service because we have capabilities internally. What we're doing is taking the DHS model, aligning it to our processes and where we need to make adjustments. We are making adjustments to be okay. And we will never be perfect, but we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing at the right time. And it does go back to the framework maturity model. The more mature you can, your processes can be, the better, at least the better you can manage risk. The other piece to the cyber discussion, you mentioned it briefly, was around training, the training of people. When FDIC had their cyber incident back in 2016, one of the issues was people problem, if you will. It's always a data problem and a system problem, but it's a people. Talk a little bit about the training you have in place now to ensure that Howard White doesn't walk out with a thumb drive full of data. Wow. I think everyone across the corporation now is focused on data leakage. We have it in our annual cybersecurity training. We have posters, we have reminders, we have phishing exercises, we have meetings with the division, divisions where we talk about what risk are we facing. We tell them how many incidents we've seen, um, whether they were missed, near misses, or actually data leakage events, and what do they need to do. Our information security managers are involved in the incident management process. So it's we're looking at a holistic approach. We have our own corporate university that helps us develop training where we see a need that we can quickly react, put training together, and then deliver it to our customers. And the biggest culprit in this, and I've seen this at other agencies, is you, know, you probably remember your days at DOD, they glued the thumb drive, right, the USB ports. I don't know if you guys have glued your USB ports, but is that something you guys have done where you've kind of limited access? Yes, so we didn't go as far as to, to glue the ports, but we've turned off access and we've developed and implemented a DLP capability that looks at who's copying data where from thumb drives to, to CD readers and writers that is very well controlled and monitored. And I imagine that if somebody is copying something that maybe they shouldn't be, or if there's, hey, why is this person here on a Saturday or a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. and they copied X amount of files, that may ring some bells either to you or to your CISO. Correct. So we have a 24-7 security operations center that has our DLP tools and capabilities. We have folks that are monitoring the network for the use cases 
um, the misuse cases, and that flows in back into our Security Operations Center for Incident Management. All right, very nice. Uh, this is fascinating discussion on security. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can talk about some other uh, older priorities, uh, IT modernization maybe. My guest is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. What is a grounded leader? What are the roots to effective leadership? How can you become a conscious leader? Join host Michael Keegan next week as he explores these questions and more with Bob Rosen, author of Grounded, How Leaders Stay Rooted in an Uncertain World. That's next week on the Business of Government Hour. The Business of Government Hour, Monday at 11 a.m. on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Here's Trish Goforth of Booz Allen Hamilton on a recent panel, Women of Washington, Cyber Engineering, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton. I think it's really important that we're looking to address more of the digital engineering approaches where you do model-based assessments of your engineering design, and then you can do what-if analysis about cyber threats and make those trade-off decisions across performance, security, and cost, and really try and predict the unknowns as best you can. To listen to the full program, go to federalnewsradio.com women of Washington. We live in a world where change happens in an instant. At Booz Allen, we thrive on change. It inspires us to build solutions that redefine what's possible. Our clients trust us to solve their most difficult problems. We bring together people who crave the big challenges and are passionate about solving them. Are you one of those problem solvers? Together, we can find the answers that change the world. Take your next step at boozallen.com forward slash careers. This is a story about doers, wings, and neighbors. When you're creating the energy that keeps doers doing, you can't lose sight of the bigger picture. Like in 75, a hiker found endangered butterflies near Chevron's refinery in El Segundo, California. An El Segundo blue. An El Segundo. What are the odds? When Chevron doers heard about the colony in their backyard, they protected the habitat and planted the only thing they eat. Buckwheat. Picky. And we keep planting. Chevron. Finding better ways to do what they do to keep doers doing. Even for our littlest neighbors. Do you have the skill set to position yourself for a leadership role in the federal government? Since 1995, Graduate School USA's Center for Leadership and Management has grown more than 10,000 leaders, providing them with the competencies needed for success at the highest levels of public service. After all, it takes a leader to train a leader. Visit graduateschool.edu slash CLM. That's graduateschool.edu slash CLM. Not affiliated with the federal government. This is Jared Serbu. I'm tweeting daily about the news that's interesting and important to the armed services and the defense contractors who serve them. Follow me at WFED. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Uh, Howard, before break, we were talking about some older priorities, specifically cybersecurity. It's never an old priority, but something that is uh, before you got here. Uh, a couple other ones from the last time I did talk to the FDIC. One was back in 2013 was around uh, focus on business systems, IT modernization. Let's start there. It's a, it's a big push across the government, IT modernization more broadly. Talk about business systems and your efforts around IT modernization. Yes, I just attended a meeting with some fellow CIOs talking about IT modernization and the directive that came out. And one of the challenges that we talked about was having the right resources and the human resources to actually implement the modernization that is envisioned 
to keep us at the crux of being um, what I call the bleeding edge of technology rather than the, some of the systems that we have that are five to ten years old that are no longer what we call modern but legacy um, systems. So we have to look at how do we develop new capabilities using frameworks like Agile or just being more forward-thinking, leaning towards services that are externally provided, such as cloud. Cloud.gov is one that comes to mind. But we can also follow other lead agencies, such as the FBI, that's moving a lot of their data to Amazon's cloud. But that will take us having an enterprise architecture and the necessary protections around our information and our information systems so that we can inform the business of the protections that we have around our capabilities to make them, if you will, sleep well at night knowing that their data is protected just as well in the cloud as it would be on-prem. You mentioned the, the use of cloud, agile stuff I'm sure we'll talk to, but let's start with the people piece because, as you said, maybe that's the most important. When you talk about the people side, it's not just the users. Do they understand how you're going to modernize? But are you looking for people who understand cloud or understand cloud security or, or the like? That is absolutely correct. So if we are going to move to the cloud, we have to make sure that we have folks that are um, trained in vendor management, trained in the different technologies, the application stack that Amazon or Google or Microsoft may provide. How do we get that information that we would normally walk downstairs and, and just be able to touch and feel when you are hundreds and potentially thousands of miles away from the new data center? Um, so we do need to ensure that we have the right human resource capabilities in the corporation to execute on those um, new operational environments rather than relying on the folks that have been here for a number of years. And not that those folks are bad, but what we're doing is offering them training to readjust the focus areas that they may have been used to operating in. Are you talking about, for instance, someone who used to run the data center and watch the blinking lights, that, that, that person, to someone who now has to do it from data centers far away. Is that one example? That is one example. Or the person that used to run a major contract with the contractor sitting on site now becoming a, a specialist in vendor management and SLAs in monitoring the delivery of services rather than the 900 contractors that we have supporting us on-prem. What about the business side? Because one of the things that I've heard time and again is the challenge of getting them to sit down and what, okay, what are your requirements? Let's push through that. Are you having to spend time with them so they understand, okay, you need to tell us what capabilities, what's your end result, what's your outcome? Absolutely. So IT is not here to support IT. IT is here to support the business. And that constant communication and engagement with our, our business leaders, with the technical folks, with the folks that are actually using the capabilities is, is paramount to our success. We cannot do this alone. We can't design a system for the business without the business uh, being engaged, collaborating with us, and looking at use cases based on their requirements and ensuring that we're designing the system to meet their needs. So it is an education on both sides, on the IT side, the, the business side, but also at the C-suite level as well so that they understand where are we headed strategically and the value that we will attain from moving to some of these agile methodologies and potentially moving towards consolidating our data within the environment. One of the things you talked about was 
training and getting insur ensuring that the employees, both IT and non-IT, understand what's happening in terms of from a strategic perspective. How are you doing that as CIO? What are the steps you're taking? Are there governance boards? Are there other approaches you're using to bring people together, whether it's the IT folks who are maybe doing new jobs or the mission people who have to have better understanding of, of how can IT be the enabler? We are relooking our governance processes around IT. I want IT to be agile, but I do not want the governance process to stifle innovation or the delivery of capabilities to the business. So we, we want to streamline governance. We want to publish how we operate, what are the requirements, what are the gates that have to be passed through to get IT operational and then monitored and continuously improved. So looking at EA as a framework, governance as a framework, and tying wrapping it around risk management to are we doing the right things based on requirements, are we managing our resources, spending our dollars to get the best value for the corporation. The other piece of this is Agile. You mentioned the move to Agile, and that also brings in the mission side. So because they're going to be the ultimate customers in many ways, how are you guys going on that path to implement Agile or, or DevOps, as some may call it? So that is something that we're investigating. We're starting off slow. We are not a, a full Agile shop. We build and, and sustain our own applications, but we are examining the use of Agile in, in FDIC to deliver capabilities rapidly. The processes need to be validated as far as what are we looking to deliver in incremental rather than what I would call the big bang of deliver me a application in three years at X millions of dollars. It would be better to deliver capabilities incrementally every 60 days, every 30 days that costs less. And then at some point you may say, this is good enough and I do not need to spend another dollar this year. I can then shift the resources to another hot requirement that may have popped up based on another business need. When you talk about Agile and you talk about exploring how that can be brought into the FDIC, one of the things I remember talking last time with the uh, CIO about was FDIC really had a lot of custom-built apps, and there was a, a, a desire to move maybe away from having so much custom code, the, the you know, buy before build, the share before buy. Is that something you guys also are continuing to head down that path? Or is it because of what you do as FDIC, the customization is necessary? So customization is necessary, and we are still continuing that path. It is the path that we've set, and we continue to review our strategy, but definitely looking to reduce the number of custom-built apps so that we can be faster at reacting to delivering enhanced capabilities to the business. Uh, things like Salesforce or other capabilities are out there that we could utilize to better aligned to other government organizations that are using it. We learn from them, and then we make the, the changes needed to sustain our own mission requirements. It's almost like this is where platform or infrastructure as a service from a cloud perspective could be much more beneficial for you guys than maybe software as a service because you need these, this customization of the apps. But if those apps could live, as, as we'll use Salesforce as one example since you brought that up, on a platform then the time to modernization or time to just even basic updates would be much faster. Is, is that, do I have your thinking right? Absolutely. And, and we're looking at those methodologies and delivery methods and sharing the success of other organizations and 
our success internally with one division is being shared um, among the other three or four or five or six of the divisions so that they can learn and see that it does work, the data is secure, we can do it faster, we can do it more f efficiently, and deliver it on time. That's what you, I hear from a lot of similar organizations like the FDIC, whether it's the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, or SSA. They talk a little bit about those those quick wins, prove it out, and then people start kind of jumping on board. When we talk, let's move to your new priorities. Is that one of your new priorities is really to change, if you will, the, the culture of the FDIC around technology and adding the agility and scalability that maybe, you know, couldn't have happened when you had on-premise data centers? I think that's a challenge that a lot of like federal organizations face, and we, we have to market better around the protections of the information, but also being able to use these platforms that are proven, that are in, um, if I use the word, the cloud, to be able to provide better value for the dollars that we spend each and every day. But the key is working with the business, protecting the information, to be able to deliver the capabilities that we are are required to as the IT brain trust for the FDIC. Let's talk about some new priorities. We've spent a lot of time on some older ones that you've been going through. You've mixed in a few, I'm sure, but what are you trying to get done over the next six or nine months? Wow, that my, my team would probably say we have a lot of things to do over the next six to nine months. One of the things that I am really focused on is operational efficiencies, is ensuring that we have a policy a defined process aligned to a business objective. Around that, one of my key priorities at the moment is looking at the data. Where does the data live? How are we consuming the data? How are we protecting the data? How can we reduce data sprawl across the FDIC so that we can reduce the cost of securing that data and, and keeping that data alive so that we can save resources to align them to some innovative ways to help the business do things better and faster. So it's looking at enterprise architecture, our governance model, aligned to our strategic plan, but always thinking about the business. How do we operate? How do we integrate with our customers? And how do we share information faster? All right, so there's a couple of areas there let's unpack but first let's take a quick break we come back we'll jump into the data we'll talk into operational efficiencies my guest is howard white the federal deposit insurance corporation's chief information officer i'm your host jason miller and you're listening to ask the cio on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m selling to the government made easier thanks to the coalition for government procurement federalnewsradio.com search off the shelf Concerned about your health? Then be sure to catch the groundbreaking radio show, Essentials of Healthy Living, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. Join hosts Dana Lake and Kevin Passero as they bring you the latest news about traditional and alternative medicine, nutrition, dietary supplements, herbal remedies, and more. Tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. on 1500 a.m. Listen to past shows and discover other healthy living resources at myvillagegreen.com. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why? Or how to best use your logo to grow your business? 
Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts CLAIM to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting CLAIM to 88988. That's C-L-A-I-M to 88988. Hi, this is Jason Miller, Executive Editor of Federal News Radio. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new program called Views from the Corner Office. Every week, we sit down with private sector leaders who influence and impact the federal market. Views from the Corner Office is not about the individual company, but about the insights, experience, and opinions of the people who lead federal practices. It's their perspective on technology, acquisition, and leadership issues. Views from the Corner Office, Fridays at noon. Download it at federalnewsradio.com. Search Views. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My, my guest is Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Howard, we just started to get into some of your new priorities. Let's start with one of them. You mentioned operational efficiencies, aligning policy process to the mission area. Talk a little bit about how you're doing that. We're doing that by looking at what capabilities do we have in-house. Are any of them duplicative? And if they are, when are they reach an end of life or the next upgrade cycle and how do we start that discussion with the owners of that application or system to consider enhancement that may meet the needs of another business division. So it's looking at what we have that we could potentially improve to deliver capabilities across multiple divisions rather than continuing to develop capabilities that are just designed for one organization. Do you find yourself, and, and maybe you've started doing some research app rationalization, sometimes people call it, where you're, hey, we have seven LMS systems, or why do we have four case management systems? Do, are you finding that already? I think the team has done a, a, a lot of work in that area and identified capabilities that are similar in nature, and we are starting to look at where are the opportunities on our roadmap to make sure that we align ourselves to combine those capabilities or potentially enhance a capability so we can retire another down the road. So that is an ongoing effort across the entire FDIC. Do you get a sense of what's the potential? Are you looking at reducing your application by number of applications by 10%, by 30%? Are you looking at savings? Has, has that been, have you looked at that at that level yet? Not as of yet, but I I would assume that there will be savings to be had. Uh, we are in a complex environment at the FDIC like other federal organizations. And as we look at retiring legacy applications or systems, there is bound to be savings. And we believe that we'll be able to utilize that savings to invest in new technologies to better serve the corporation. When you talk about operational efficiencies, one of the things that comes to mind is the IT modernization discussion that we were having earlier. Generally speaking, are you guys spending more money on O&M than DME, operations and maintenance versus development modernization enhancement, or does that break down at a, at a place where you feel comfortable with it? I'm never comfortable with the, the sustainment of old technology. I'd rather spend resources to enhance it and get it out of the environment because on the other side of 
the house when I think about the cyber perspective is it's never as modern, as safe, and as secure as a new technology. So we are looking um, at capturing that data and looking to do that analysis this year on into next year, showing the actual cost of sustaining the legacy systems and making sure that when we go into the budget process, we have the right set of information to present to the, um, the board of why we want to change the way that we are currently supporting FDIC applications and systems. What do you think the breakdown is? I mean, is it 70-30, like a lot of government, 80-20? Uh, I would probably say it's more 70-30 if I was to guess, and this is a guesstimation because we have not, I have not been involved in the, that work as of yet, but we, are, we will validate and, and make sure that we do the right thing for the corporation. Any systems surprise you that you guys have found? Anything running Fortran or Assembly or COBOL, anything that, that you said, I can't believe that's still on you know, WordPerfect 5.1? Not that to that level yet, but there are some older, I, I called, databases that we're, we are looking at and saying we need to get better at managing the life cycle. Like any organization, you put something in, it's working well, but you don't think about the operational cost of sustaining a capability that is three years out of date or potentially at end of life. Another one of your parties, you mentioned uh, databases, so let's jump into the data question. I mean, FDIC in many ways is a big data agency. Uh, that's your lifeblood in many ways. So talk a little bit about, you talk about where the data is, how to protect it, reducing the data sprawl. So that sounds like you're looking at some kind of data lake or some data integrating disparate databases. What are some of the plans around data management? That's, I call, one of my initiatives for this year. We are talking about forming what a Tiger team to start looking at those things that I mentioned is, where's our data? How is the data being used? How much of that data is replicated among different systems? What could we do to improve data management and utilize it as an enterprise capability rather than an individual system-focused, I call, development lifecycle, right? It, it needs to be managed centrally, but available to different application owners to tap into, to gain knowledge, to make decisions from. And that is something that we will do over the next year. Again, I'm going to have to ask the question because vendors will want to know too. It's something you're starting internally and then potentially looking externally, or do you feel like you have enough of the capabilities in-house that it's mostly you can do with existing staff? So the Tiger team is going to outline where we are, where do we need to be, and then we will look at what capabilities we have in-house based on either federal staff or current contractors and vendors, and then we will make a decision of what to do next. All right, now you're going to get the calls from the vendors, so I apologize that now. One of the other things about data is uh, this idea of data analytics and the tools that sit over them. Where are you guys at with in terms of implementing and or using the advanced analytic tools? So we do have uh, analytic teams within the FDIC, as you said. We are a knowledge-based organization, and we are mature in that area, but there's always room for improvement, and this Tiger team will look at that as well, is what data analytic capabilities are we using, what are some of the other organizations that are doing what they consider to be breakneck capabilities of, wow, you know, you just did that and I, I'm spinning my head to look at it because it's so fantastic, is learning from them 
what they're doing, what technology they're using, and could we utilize some of that technology to improve our own processes. We were talking the other day around some organizations spending 60% of their time consuming the data, massaging the data, getting it into the right place before they can spend any time, which is 30% of their time, doing analytics on the data. I would like to see that flipped, is spend 30% of the time consuming the data, massaging the data, and 66% of our time, or 60% of our time, managing the data, and 10% retiring data that's not needed. This all leads me down the path of artificial intelligence, machine learning, even potentially some automation and robotics. Has that started to come up on your radar at all? Is that something you guys are starting to consider? We are looking at what I call machine learning or assisted AI um, because you need the human in the loop within, I, I call, areas of the corporation, and that is not a something that is sprawled across yet. Um, it needs to be managed and ensure that we're not allowing access to the data that's not authorized. We have a lot of sensitive data across the corporation, and I want to make sure that we have the necessary protections um, around it before moving into that automated intelligence gathering functions and capabilities. Uh, PII is key, and the privacy framework that we need around data is paramount to the success of the corporation and the faith of protecting the information as needed. There's been a big push over the last three, five, seven years across the entire government to to really focus on digital services. Is that something that FDIC is also starting to focus on, and, and how do you promote it from your chair as the CIO? So we do have um, services that we provide to the U.S. on FDIC.gov. We consume data, we analyze the data, and then we present that data to the public for consumption. Internally, we're looking at how to do it better, faster, and that means you need a data strategy so that you can do things in an automated fashion quickly, get into that write-in code to be able to execute something that used to take five man hours to do, that you can now do it in five to ten minutes. So it is something that we're focused on and engaging the business units on so that they can transform using technologies that are available today and we have to be engaged and be the communicators of what's possible and showing them in a lab environment that this is what's possible, feasible within your business based on your requirements and we have protected it as needed by regulations and by your own business needs. In fact, I was going to bring up this idea of the lab environment. If you've set up any sort of sandbox or any sort of test lab where a mission business area could come in and say, hey, can we test out this, pick the AI or, or, or robotic you know, process automation? Have you guys done anything like that to set up a test lab? We have labs, but we've not set them up using robotics or AIs of yet, but we will get there eventually as we look to modernize the CIO's organization that will be a key focus is being able to think about what can we do based on new technologies, looking at our processes and saying, if we injected this new technology, what would be the outcome? But that is yet to come. Uh, Howard, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're uh, unfortunately out of time, so we'll have to have you back on sooner than four years. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, Howard White, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's Chief Information Officer. Howard, thank you so much for the, your time today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes.